Welcome to Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and welcome to today's podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and today we're going to talk 2020 code changes. Woo-woo! We're all excited. It's coming out. All that work that we put into it, all of you out there who submitted public inputs, public comments, went to the nit man, everybody that's put that time into it to help make the code a better document, constantly improving it. Um, It drops in probably two weeks, maybe. Um, Now, I'm on a code panel, and I still haven't gotten my copy yet, or I haven't gotten a PDF, or we can't download it from the portal yet. So, I will say that all of you have the ability to go look at it uh, in the free access view. So, go to NFPA.org and go to the locations where it looks for codes and standards and find the NFPA 70. Click on it. You know how to get there. And then you can actually look at the 2020 edition of the free view. And no, it doesn't have any highlights. It doesn't have any marks in the columns to let you know when something's new or removed or nothing's highlighted yet. But if you know which one you're looking for, you know in the code section you're trying to look at, then you can at least go to it and have your 2017 book open in front of you. And you can look at this and look at that and you can tell what's kind of changed. Uh, And so we're going to kind of do that today for one specific section uh, because it's... uh, it's significant change to everybody that deals with uh, personal protection in terms of ground fault circuit interrupters and the locations and what has changed in 210.8. So we're going to try to buzz through this. I am hoping I get it done within an hour. I am getting more requests to do shorter podcasts. But again, I remind you, you can always pause a podcast and take note of the time come back later and pick it up where you left off. I mean, you don't have to sit and listen to the entire thing. I get it. I'm kind of tough to listen to for an hour, but it is what it is. So um, I once I get started, I just don't like to stop. I just, the way it is. So let's get started. So we're going to talk about 210.8, ground fault circuit interrupter protection for personnel. There's been quite a few significant and subtle changes that have taken place. And I think that in an effort to make sure everybody's on the same page with how this is moving forward, uh, then it's a good topic to discuss so that we all can be on the same page. So 210.8 is talking about the requirements for ground fault circuit interrupters. Now, in the 2017 code, there was for dwelling units, there was uh, was 210.8 and then there's 210.8A, which is dealing with dwelling units. Now, A has added some additional items. But before we even start getting into the subsections or subparts and sub-items and what all this goody-goody stuff, we have to understand what changed in the charging statement. Now, when we say charging statement, for those, you're going to go looking for that, I'm sure. You're going to go Googling it. You're going to go into the manual of style, and you're going to say, what the world is he saying charging statement? We in the business of codes and, and guys that teach and instruct and all, we, we always refer to a charging statement. Basically, it sets the tone for the actual section. It's the beginning. It's kind of like a scope sets the tone for the article. A charging statement to us sets the tone for the section. And it leads up to what we have to do in subsequent pieces of this section. So 
The charging statement is what we're going to discuss first in 210.8. Now, 210.8 is for ground fault circuit interrupter protection for personnel. And the 2017 code had 210.8A through E. Well, the first thing you'll notice is that 210.8 in the 2020 is 210.8A through F. So this charging statement applies to A through F. So we added an additional letter, which was F. And then we kind of moved some stuff around. Okay. So that's the first thing you'll notice. Now, GFCI receptacles are still required to be readily accessible. Hopefully you understand what readily accessible is. If you don't, go to Article 100. There's a good definition of it there. See if that applies to your application. But um, the only significant change so far in the charging statement is that we made clear of an F, an additional item. Now, as far as informational notes go, which I believe in, I believe that informational notes set the tone, give you guidance, give you somewhere to maneuver within the code. I like informational notes. They're not enforceable, but they don't need to be. They're just good guidance markers. Uh, the two informational notes from the 2017 code are still there. Uh, and again, making reference to appliances that require GFCI protection in 422.5a. There's a list of them there. Um, and of course, 215.9 is talking about GFCI protection for personnel for feeder applications that are covered in feeders in 215. Uh, it's just reminding you of that, that that's some other places you might need to go for some applications for GFCI protection. Uh, but there's two additional ones that are added, and that was informational note number three. Now, that is 555.9, which is dealing 555. As we all know, when we if we're dabbling, it's been in the news lately. That's for marinas and boat yards and what have you. Well, under the 2017 code, there was a specific GFCI requirement for 210.8C, which was for boat hoists. Well, that's been removed from the 210.8 nomenclature here. That's going to be removed. And so all this is saying, you know what? You might have some requirements for GFCI protection up there in marinas and things like that. You need to go there, okay? Because now in marinas, it's not just commercial. It's for residential applications. So it's all going to be there. So this is just a good guidance marker to send you somewhere. Um, so that's a, that's a new informational note because we did remove the issue with the boat hoist. So, you know, it had to do something to help give you direction. Uh, now, usually you'll see a little dot in, in the margin and that lets you know something's been removed or whatnot. Uh, the next informational note is dealing with uh, something that says, you know what, we have all these rules in 210.8, but you need to be aware of the general rules in the code. And that is chapters 1 through 4 apply generally throughout the code, and 5, 6, and 7 can supplement or modify. So this is its way of saying additional GSCI requirements for specific circuits and equipment are contained in chapters 4, 5, and 6. Well, obviously we're, what comes to mind is chapter 6, which is dealing with pools, hot tubs, spas, and 680 and 682 for natural bodies of water. There's other requirements for specific circuits and things like that for GFCI protection that can go above and beyond what you might have here in 210.8. Okay, So that's kind of a good example of how one reference can remind you that, hey, there's something else up in here that, that needs to apply. Okay, Just kind of an example. But here you're getting some direct reference to that. Okay. So that's what that information wrote is. So two new additional notes, uh, informational notes were added, just as good direction to give you some roadmaps to maneuvering the code. And I always think that's a good thing. Remember, NEC is not an installation manual or, des or design manual, but it's slowly moving closer to that direction, but it does give us some good practices and it's a minimum safety standard. So it's good to have all these little roadmaps, if you will. 
Uh, and so the next thing that is to me significant when it comes to the charging statement, and that is about determining distance from the receptacles to the appliance via the, via the cord that plugs into the, the plug. Okay, the receptacle. Excuse me, I shouldn't say plug. The, the attachment plug that plugs into the receptacle. So we need to figure out a measurement. Now, this was changed in the 2017 code, uh, how to do this measurement, making it really clear uh, on everything here. And this was derived, incidentally, from language it was in 680 uh, for the disconnect uh, that couldn't be within five feet of a pool, for example. The language came from there, how to measure it. And so that's what's been brought into here. And it was done back in 2017, that language. Uh, but the only change that we really have now, the measurement's the same. It's just we move the, the part in it that says, or passing through a door doorway. Okay, so that's a significant change here because in the 2014 code, and let's just use this, in 210.8A7, where you had a sink, and we're not just talking kitchen sink, any sink. If I had a sink, and we're talking dwelling units right now, and I had a receptacle, okay, that was within six feet of the um, top inside edge of the bowl of the sink, then it would require GFCI protection. But the moment that I put it in the cabinet behind a door, whether it's a cabinet door or whatever, then it, that measurement broke as if it was a fixed barrier or some kind of wall or floor or ceiling. And, and that means I didn't have to measure beyond that door, even though somebody could open that door and literally use that receptacle. Um, so that's the way it was in 2017. So the, GF, the receptacle underneath, maybe for the disposal or the uh, dishwasher, if you were using a cord and plug application, did not require it to be GFCI protected. So it's a big debate on whether it should be or shouldn't, six feet, you know, that type of thing. Couldn't somebody simply open the door where a fixed barrier you can't, but somebody opened the door, you could use it, things like that. So that was clarified in the 2020 code. Remove the reference to door, remove the reference to doorway. So again, those aren't things that can break that measurement rule, okay? So if you have a sink, and that receptacle is underneath the sink in that cabinet and it has a door on it. It doesn't matter. You pretend like the door is not there and you measure the shortest path that cord would follow between the receptacle to the appliance. If it is, uh, in this case, if it was A7, if that receptacle is installed within six feet of the top inside edge of the bowl of the sink, then it's going to be GFCI protected. Okay. So that's the clarification in the measurement and the intent to say, no, we're going to remove the doorway as a breaking component to that measurement. All right, let's get into each one of the items here. So we have A, which is dealing with dwelling units. Now, what's the significant change here? Uh, it's an impactful change in this entire list because previously it only applied to 125 volt single phase 15 and 20 amp rated receptacles. Now it's going to apply to all 125 volt through 250 volt receptacles located in the location specified in 210.8A1 through 11. Okay, previously it was only 10 items. Uh, now there's 11 items. Okay, so this is going to apply all of them in here, 50, 125 volts through 250 volts. It's going to apply. Now the other thing that's significant is it looks to me that the amperage threshold is no longer there. So the amperage threshold that was there in the 2017 code, 15 and 20 is gone. So you remove that threshold, all right, for dwelling units. 
Now, we'll still have some amperage thresholds in other than dwelling units, but right here in dwelling units, that's been removed. Okay, so let's go down the list and see what's changed. Now, you still have the 150 volts or less to ground, but again, dwelling units, there's probably absolutely nothing in a dwelling unit that's not going to be 150 volts or less to ground. Okay, I mean, 240 volt circuit, one phase to ground is, is 120 volts. So, a 120-volt circuit is 120 volts. So it pretty much covers all the applications in a single-phase brand circuit. All right. Now, bathrooms. That didn't change from the 2017 GFCI requirements for the bathrooms. Uh, garages and also accessory buildings that uh, basically are at or below grade level uh, and not intended as a habitable room, uh, then they're going to have GFCI protection as well for those receptacles that are 125 volts through 250 volts. Okay. There's no ampacity limitation on that now. Um, the next is outdoors. That didn't change. And you still have the exception for not requiring GFCI for things like snow melting, de-icing, and all that kind of stuff that's governed in 426 and 427. So that they have their own rules there that are going to require certain things. Um, but the general rule is if it's for the brand circuit dedicated for snow melting and whatnot, then it doesn't have to have the typical class A type of ground fault circuit interrupter protection as we see here. Uh, the next thing is number four, which is crawl spaces. That did not change from the 2017. Still required GFCI protection crawl spaces. Remember, we're talking dwelling units now. We're still in A. Don't lose sight of that. The next one is item number five, and that's basements. That did change. Significant change because in the 2017 code, they don't, the rule for GFCI on receptacles and basements only applied to the unfinished portion or areas of a basement that weren't intended for a habitable as a habitable room. Well, now it's all receptacles in basements. And yes, that does mean that if my basement is unfinished, but I have a dryer in there, it's 30 amp, 240 volt dryer circuit, then guess what? it is going to have the requirement to be GFCI protected. So uh, they are available, uh, and so that just lets you know that they're required there. Um, so that would apply to any. Now, remember, this rule is talking about receptacles, so not hardwired applications, okay? Just the receptacles uh, in this rule. Uh, there is an exception for basements, again, for that single receptacle that's installed for the fire alarm or burglar alarm. does not have to be GFCI protected. So, again, that rule is still there. Uh, just remember that that receptacle that you install for that fire alarm or burglar alarm cannot take the place of the required receptacles that would need to be there in accordance with 210.52G. So, don't get that confused. Yes, I can have a single receptacle for this fire alarm or burglar alarm. That doesn't have to be GFCI protected, but that receptacle can't meet the need to have at least one in the basement, for example. That rule still got to be met. So, okay, so just keep that in mind. Uh, the next one is six, which is kitchens. That is not a change at all. Now, where does this impact? Well, this one has to do with only the receptacles that are serving the countertop. So, the receptacles that are serving that countertop. Uh, if they're serving the countertop, then they're going to have to meet the rules for the countertop in 210.52C within two feet of the edge and not more than four feet between the two uh, so that no point along the wall is more than two feet from a receptacle. That's where we get the old two foot, four foot rule. Uh, all of those are to serve the countertop. Those have to be GFCI protected. So that's not a change. That, didn't, that did not change. Uh, the next one is item seven, which is sinks. That did not change as well. Although it does have greater impact when we know that the statement is changed in the 210.8A, which now requires 125 through 250 volt receptacles. So let's use a scenario here. What if I'm in the kitchen 
and my range is situated and it's not behind a fixed barrier. It's just a receptacle we mount on the wall. And that receptacle is now within six feet of the sink. And that would be the top inside edge of that sink because I might have a small kitchen, man. So if that's the case, would we now be required to have GFCI protection for that range? And the way I read it and the way it's written out, absolutely, I would be required to have that. Okay? So now that doesn't, you know, that that's specific to the sink. It's not specific to the kitchen in general, just because the range is in the kitchen. Okay, this is the proximity to the sink rule. The one before that for kitchens is is the only the proximity of the receptacles that are to serve the countertop surface. Okay, so I have people out there going, oh my God, oh my God, they want the, the ranges in all kitchens now have to be. No, only due to proximity of the sink is requirement for that application. Okay, and we all know that the range receptacle is not there to serve a countertop. Oh, we know that's not the case. All right. So the next one is item eight, which is boat houses. Okay, boat houses. Again, the implications here: if there's a receptacle being used in a boat house, those receptacles that are in that boat house, which is a subset of the dwelling unit, maybe it's just an accessory building, uh, and it's a boat house. Uh, in that case, then it's the 125 through 240, uh, 250 volt receptacles that are installed in that location. Guess what? Single phase, 150 volts or less to ground, which they probably all will be, are going to be GFCI protected. Number nine is, again, no change so far on that. Number nine is bathtubs and shower stalls. No change here. That receptacle that is installed within six feet of the outside edge of the bathtub or shower stall is going to have to be GFCI protected. Now, the implications here of the charging statement in 210.8, which getting rid of the doorway, uh, where it blocked the doorway, meant that you were actually breaking that measurement. I have actually seen applications here where they actually had a receptacle that was within six feet of the bathtub uh, but it was around the corner a little bit and inside of a linen cabinet with a door on it. And so that door, based on the rules in 2017, you would not measure through that doorway. It, it, you act like it's a fixed barrier, like that doorway could never, that door could never open. Um, that's changed in 2020, right? So they, people would put a receptacle because they wanted to get it in close proximity. I have no idea why, but they wanted to put it there. So they would put it around the corner inside the cabinet. And because of that door, they could get around it not being GFCI. I don't know why you would do that. GFCIs are cheap. A life is worth way more than an $8, $9, $10 GFCI device. But anyway, people would do that to circumvent it. Now, because of the doorway limitation removed in the charging statement, you're going to measure it. Anything within six feet, it's going to have to be GFCI protected. Okay. All right, the next thing we have is number 10. And number 10 is not new, laundry area. So laundry area, the, the only implications here now because of the change in A for dwelling units is that now this is gonna to apply to all 125 volt through 250 volt receptacles. So your dryer inside of their, inside of this laundry area is going to have to have GFCI protection on that dryer if your dryer is within that laundry area. You kind of see how these implications are because of the importance. It used to be just 15 to 20 amp. It is now broadened and the ampacity limitation is gone. 30 amps is no longer outside of that limitation. It's all based on the receptacles, 125 volt through 250 volt that are installed in specific locations. For example, your laundry area, okay? Now, 
we do have a, a, an exception now, and this exception correlates with a new definition as well as a new type of receptacle that was introduced a couple cycles ago and used in 314, for example. And what that is, is all of these areas that we have, we've just been talking about, are, are, are talking about receptacles in specific locations. Well, the change the definition of receptacles a couple cycles ago to clarify a new product that came into the market that was a receptacle and it has a mating device called an attachment fitting, but we didn't have a definition of what that was. Now we do in a 2020, we know what an attachment fitting is. So um, really what you've got is you've got an attachment fitting that mounts to the ceiling fan or a luminaire and it wires up so that you don't have to wire the wires from the luminaire fan to the lighting outlet box. It actually wires to the attachment fitting and that mounts on the fan system. And then you have a receptacle that actually mounts up in the lighting outlet box. And that is, is designed with a mating mechanism so that the two can simply click together. And so it's a pretty neat system. And it was introduced a couple cycles ago in 314 to allow for it. We had to change the definition of device in order to incorporate it and all these type of things. Well, now it's coming full circle. But what they're saying here is, you know what? It's those devices that are used for the lighting and they're used for the um, uh, ceiling luminaire type of scenario, and this is very ceiling driven here, um, don't have to have that GFCI protection that we're talking about in, in some specific incidences. And what are those specific incidents? Well, if you have one of these types of, of combined attachment fitting and device receptacle, uh, mounting receptacle, if you have it and you're using it for your ceiling luminaire or ceiling fan, then and it's in the location of, let's say, a bathroom, then it's not required to be GFCI protected. If you have it in garages or accessory building, it's not required to be GFCI protected. If you have it in outdoor locations, it's not required to be GFCI protected. Now, it's still required if you utilize it in a crawl space that uh, below or at grade level, still got to be GFCI, no exception there. Uh, the next one was basements, five. It's exception there. doesn't have to meet GFCI protection if it's installed in a basement. If you're using this type of attachment fitting and uh, mounting receptacle, it's not required there. Uh, also in seven, which is... Um, I mean, six, which is kitchens, not required in kitchens. Uh, and of course, this really wouldn't apply anyway because six is dealing with the receptacles to serve the countertops. So it's really, again, this only applies to ceiling fans and luminaires. So it really doesn't make sense anyway. Um, uh, and then, of course, seven, which is sink, doesn't apply there. The exception, you know, can be used there, but it really doesn't matter because we're talking about luminaires and ceiling fans. Um, so to make it simple, the exception applies to Items one through three, five through eight, and 10. Okay, and 10 being laundry. So if I'm using this type of receptacle with this attachment fitting, then I don't have to GFCI protect it. Okay. Um, now, it goes on to say that, let's make this real clear though. If I have one of these devices and I'm using it on a ceiling uh, um, luminaire or a ceiling fan, okay. And it's not required to be GFCI protection for those receptacles for that, which is a special type of receptacle with that attachment fitting. If I've got a general purpose convenience receptacle that is kind of integrated or designed into that ceiling luminaire or ceiling fan that is not a part of that fitting, then that still has to meet GFCI protection because somebody could plug something into it. Okay, So you're only getting the exception for that unique receptacle that attaches to that attachment fitting. And again, if you want to know what the definition of that attachment fitting is, go to 100. We now have a definition of what attachment fitting is, okay? So again, it makes it clear what's accepted 
from that, exceptions from that. All right, the next one we're going to go to is number 11, and that is indoor damp and wet locations. Now, that wasn't even in the 2017 code for dwelling units, but it is now incorporated into the 2020 code. So any receptacles that are located in an indoor, damp, or wet locations is going to require GFCI protection. Now let's go on to other than dwelling units. Now this is other than anything other than a dwelling unit application. So uh, this is all 125 volt through 250 volt receptacles uh, supplied by a single phase branch circuit rated 150 volts or less to ground. Uh, it used to be 150 volts to ground or less, but they kind of swapped that to make it really uh, it was kind of, uh, people got that confused, so they kind of swapped it around. I don't think it changed the intent to me anyway. The ones that are on that panel felt like it did, but I get it. Um, and then, of course, the caveat is 50 amperes or less is the threshold, uh, and all receptacles supplied by three-phase brand circuits that are rated 150 volts or less to ground, and it's a 100 amps or less threshold, uh, shall be installed in locations in 210.8B1 through 12. All right, the first thing that I'll recognize is that there used to be 10 locations. Now there's 12 locations, so that's a big change. The next thing that really sticks out that's really significant is that in other than dwelling units, it never made reference to a voltage class of, of receptacle uh, like we do in dwelling units where it talked about 125 volts at least, and now it's changed to 125, 250. It didn't mention that in B. Now it does. It says... Uh, all 125 volt through 250 volt receptacles. So now it clarifies which receptacle class qualifies. And it doesn't matter whether it's single phase or three phase. The caveats are the 150 volts or less to ground. That's what kicks in here to require this. All right. So uh, it does not mean that at 277, 480, because it's 277 to ground, that is not 150 volts or less to ground. This is more to those 120, 240s. 12208s, all of those type of applications where it definitely will be uh, 150 volts or less to ground applications with this kicks into. And of course, it does have an ampere uh, threshold on it that you have to correlate as well. Okay, So that is a little different. Uh, even though that was introduced in the 2017 code, we now have a voltage class on that. All right? So um, that's what we're moving into. Now, as far as the items uh, of locations, we did. We added two additional ones. And there is some subtle changes in here, so I'll try to go through these fairly quickly for you. Uh, the first one was bathrooms. Again, receptacles aren't required in bathrooms in a commercial or other than dwelling location, uh, like airports. they got receptacles in there. They're not required to be. But if they are in there, then they've got to have GFCI protection in accordance with 210.8B1. Okay? Uh, the next one is item number two, and this one's changed. This gets rid of the age-old debate of having to go look up the definition of what a kitchen is. Uh, you still have to do that if you got what you think is a kitchen. But here, it kind of picks up those break rooms now that we've always had to debate about. It says number two, it used to say just kitchens uh, required GFCI protection. Now it says kitchens or areas with, with a sink and permanent provisions for either food preparation or cooking. Now, this is where I like to talk to students about the code. I said that what I call the power of the or, or the power of the and. It's either this and that, or this or that. So the components here is I've got to have a sink, and I have to have either provisions for food preparation or provisions for cooking. Now, I don't consider a microwave that sits on a counter that plugs into a receptacle that's probably just a receptacle there. It's part of a dedicated circuit for that area 
or you know for that location, I don't consider that permanent cooking to me. All right, but if I got a microwave that's hardwired in there, then I'm personally I consider that permanent cooking. But regardless of that, most break areas in a other than dwelling now is going to be encompassed without having to worry about whether or not it's full fledged kitchen because it's got an area and there's usually a sink and then it's got usually food preparation means there's a counter if it's any counter surface then it's there to allow me to cut things up prepare something for a little lunch while they're in there or I mean I don't know every break room that I've ever been in has had some area there for food preparation of some sorts so if that's the case then all 125 volt through 250 volt receptacles that are going to be in that location, whether it's single phase or three phase, meeting all the criteria for the amperage ratings or whatnot, uh, are going to have to be GFCI protected. Okay, so that's the the aspect of how you're dealing with it in 210.8b2. Okay, so that clarifies the intent there and picks up on those break rooms for all those that argued was it a kitchen or is it not a kitchen? I wasn't sure if it's a kitchen. All right, so it clarifies it. Uh, the next is rooftops, same as before. Rooftop receptacles required to be uh, GFCI protected. Uh, the next one was outdoor. Uh, outdoor receptacles, other than dwelling units, remember we're in B now, are still required. There's no change to the exceptions. Outdoor receptacles are required to be GFCI protected. Uh, the next one is item five, and that is sinks. Uh, there is no change to this from the 2017. Same thing as there, same exceptions apply. Uh, to that as it did before. Um, we're not going to go into the exceptions because they didn't change, so it's not really a code change. It's the same as it was. Um, again, sinks, uh, receptacles that are located within six feet of the top inside edge of the bowl of a sink. Yes, that applies to all sinks in those applications uh, as when this would rule would apply. And thank goodness now we know how to measure it, right? Okay. The next one we have is six. Uh, and six has changed. Uh, in the 2017 code, this really only applied to indoor wet locations, but now in 2017, GFCI receptacles apply to the indoor damp and wet locations. Okay. Item number seven, it says locker room with associated shower facilities. That did not change. So again, the locker room and usually locker rooms in other than dwelling applications, because I don't know many locker rooms that are in a dwelling, <laughs> if any. Probably not. Maybe in Bill Gates' house. I don't know. But in most applications, you're going to have the shower, which is going to be associated or integral with the locker area. And of course, this covers the locker rooms, which pushes in the requirement uh, for it to be uh, the GFCI protection. Uh, number eight, which is garages, accessory buildings, service bays, and similar areas other than vehicle exhibition halls and showrooms. Again, no change from what it was in the 2017 code. Going to require GFCI protection. Uh, number nine, crawl spaces at or below grade level. Number nine, which was added in the 2017 code. It is not a change in the 2020. It's the same as it was before. No change for you all that are installing those GFCI receptacles and other than dwellings in crawl spaces at or below grade level. Um, you still got that GFCI requirement. The only change now uh, is that you at least now know the receptacle um, requirement. It's 125 uh, through 250 volts. And of course, then you can meet all your other 150 volts to ground thresholds and that will give you some guidance now. Next one is item number 10. Now, item number 10 is not new, but it did change. In fact, it says unfinished areas of basements. 
And what it said in the 2017 code was the unfinished portions or areas of basements that were not intended as habitable rooms. Now, while we had that change also for dwelling units, and basically all basements uh, have to have GFCI protection now for dwelling units, in this one, it's still keying in on unfinished area. I'm not sure why, because the key argument for all of this expansion was that you still had a safety concern whether the basement was finished or unfinished. It was in a basement, blah, blah, blah. But in other than dwelling units, um, it's still only going to apply to the unfinished areas, but now has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the habitable rooms or anything. It's just lim- simply unfinished. Now, if I remember right, the argument for the dwelling is what constitute unfinished? Would it mean that the walls were were finished off with gypsum board and the ceiling had a finished surface and if it didn't have con- you know, didn't have carpet down, if it was concrete, did that mean that it's unfinished? And I would argue that more people are finishing and surfacing off their concrete that it was finished surface. Uh, I don't know, but it seems like you you have the same issue of understanding what the unfinished area is for other than dwelling now. Uh, and if you were trying to make all of them require it in the dwelling, why wouldn't you do that here? I mean, I don't like the fact that it's all basements in a dwelling have to be GFC tech. I don't like that uh, because I don't. I mean, I know basements flood, but some of the tech, what we've achieved now with the basements and sealing these basements and some of the building codes and residential codes and all that. I mean, floods are going to happen. I mean, I live in Texas and I don't have basement. Are we moving in the direction where if there's a big flood and now it comes into my living room that soon I'm going to require GFCI on my living room because it could flood if I'm in a floodplain? I don't know. I know I can put them in anytime I want anyway, and that's a design choice. I'm just, I don't, okay. I said I wouldn't go get personal, and I'm not. So there's the rule. Unfinished areas of basements and other than dwellings are now, you know, are going to be required to have GFCI protection, and it just removed the application where it said anything to do about being a habitable room. It's irrelevant now. Now, you do have some exceptions again, just like the one that I talked about in dwelling. If you're going to use those specialized attachment fittings with those uh, support and listed mounted receptacle devices, uh, and they're used together in combination, you're going to have some exceptions. So you have exception to 1 through 5, 8, and 10, whereas those receptacles that are utilized for sealing fans and ceiling lightings that are in those specific areas don't have to be GFCI protected. Okay, it's kind of the same thing we went through with the dwelling unit. I won't re- regurgitate that because I think you all get the point. Just remember, if there's an additional convenience receptacle located on that ceiling fan or luminaire, and that is accessible by anybody to plug anything in it, it's not dedicated to the attachment fitting or the device. It's just there, integral to it then somebody could plug something into it in those locations. That means it does have to have GFC protection only for that integral general purpose receptacle, not for the attachment fitting and the device that incorporated into that. Okay. If you don't know what that is, go read the definition of attachment fitting. But also, this uh, last month's newsletter that I put out, you have to pay for that. I'm sorry. It's not a free newsletter. Um, that subscription gives you a definition of it, and it actually shows a picture of one of those attachment fittings if you're interested in what they look like. All right, so let's move on to item number 11, which is new for the 2020 code, and that is laundry area. So we've incorporated laundry areas now in the other than dwelling unit applications. So commercial laundry areas, uh, laundry areas that might be in a commercial building, uh, 
things like that, corporate buildings that have laundry areas, things like You're going to have these rules now. So again, this is going to kick in the rule for 125 volt through 250 volt. Uh, as we saw in the beginning statement of 210.8b, uh, it's going to, all those implications and the, the, the impacity thresholds for dealing that other than dwellings are all going to kick in here for this laundry area. So this is new to the 2020 code. The next one is item 12, and that is new as well. So routinely now, inside of these uh, buildings that are other than dwellings, you'll have bathtubs and shower stalls, and maybe the room that they're in doesn't constitute a bathroom, but it is a room that they're being utilized with showers and things like that. Well, we had to have some rules for this, and of course, we added that as well in dwelling units uh, so that people understood that uh, two cycles ago for dwelling units because you know what? You could have a space that's separated. So you have the sink and something else that qualifies in a bathroom in one area, and then in another area of the room, which is totally outside of where the bathroom might qualify, and all it has is maybe a makeup table and a shower. And that is not technically qualifying as a bathroom, but it does have a shower stall, and so there was kind of this issue there. So that was picked up a couple cycles ago, and now what you see in the 2020 it's now being incorporated also into the other than dwellings as well now because you do have buildings. I know where I work, we do have an area that might not qualify as a bathroom, but it definitely has shower stalls in this room. And this is to make sure that the receptacles that are within six feet of the outside edge of that bathtub or shower stall, uh, those receptacles have GFCI protection. Okay. Uh, and so that's, uh, uh, to me, it's a good change. Uh, just simply expanding the rule. So that's 12 items that we've we've covered. All right, so next we're going to go to item C. Now, item C in the previous code talks about boat hoists. But like that informational note that we have in the informational note number three in the beginning of 210.8, that's sending you to marinas and things like that, 555.9. We, we didn't need the boat hoists here anymore. We're going to send that up there to be located up where it needs to be. So been doing that, C becomes vacant. Now C is just the, is now going to be received what used to be in the 2017 code, which was item E, which was new, which is crawl space lighting outlets. So crawl space lighting outlets, which was E in the 2017 code, is now moved up to item C for the 2020 code. And basically, the it says crawl space lighting outlets. This was a result uh, of a death inside of a crawl space on a lighting outlet. That basically, uh, I, I believe the story was, was there's a, a, a keyless in it and one of the lamps broke and somebody got in contact with it uh, and they got electrocuted in the space. So uh, they made it significant to the lighting outlet and not significant to a luminaire or maybe a keyless, which is uh, a lamp holder, which is not a luminaire. Uh, it just holds a lamp, which some people refer to as a bulb or a light bulb. Uh, they want to really focus on the outlet itself, so the lighting outlet. So um, the lighting outlet box, which is what we hang the luminaire on or we hang a keyless on or, or a lamp holder on to. So it's very specific about the lighting outlet. So GFCI protection shall be provided for lighting outlets not exceeding 120 volts uh, installed in crawl spaces. Okay. So general applications, you're now going to have GFCI protection down there. Okay. And again, that was introduced in 2017 code. Only thing here is it kind of moved up to C rather than all the way down in E. 
Uh, the next one is specific appliances, item D. Now in the previous code, you might be familiar with said kitchen dishwashers uh, branch circuits. Uh, well, the interesting thing here is that now it's sending you to the list that's in 422.5A for the specific appliances, all right? So code panel 17, which I'm on, we spend a lot of time adding these lists of all these different appliances that would apply in 422.5A. And then we give you methods of how to achieve that GFCI protection in the five uh, uh, 422.5B1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Um, so um, you've got some allowances in B3 through B5, and one of the most significant of that is that the manufacturer could choose to incorporate that into the actual appliance. I mean, that's one of the options. Um, so what it's saying here really is uh, if that appliance that's that gets GFCI protection in accordance with 422.5, uh, in that list, in, in A, all those things that are listed there, um, then it gets the GFCI protection, and if B3 through B5 is provided, then you're good to go, all right? Now, if there's outlets supplied to the appliances that are specified in 255.5A, in other words, there is actual an outlet there, um, then in that case, you remember it says outlets, so it's not talking receptacles, it's talking an outlet. So whether it's hardwired, cord and plug, doesn't matter. Um, if that's the application, then it's saying, well, we're going to have GFCI protection, but unless it's B3 through B5 or one of those inherent methods, if you're dealing with an outlet that's supplying these appliances, then it's got to meet the requirements of 422.5B1 or B2. Now, B1 says that a GFCI can be in the circuit breaker, and that can be it. And then B2 just says, well, you know what, it can be in the supply circuit, so it can be like a receptacle, okay? So unless it's something to do with one of the allowances in B3 through B5, then if it's dealing with outlets that are going to be supplying the power to that appliance, doesn't matter whether it's receptacle or doesn't matter whether it's cord and plug. It's really about the outlet itself, the point where you're taking this power from. Then you got two options. If not, it can be uh, B1 or B2. Unless, of course, it's something that's integrated already in accordance with B3 through B5. So anyway, the most significance of this is that now it gives you some reference. The other thing is significant is that in the 2017 code, this was very specific to dwelling unit locations. Uh, that is not the case in 422.5A. Uh, dishwashers was added to the list, item seven. Uh, it is not specifically geared just to dwelling unit applications, okay? Just so you know. Uh, but there's a list there, and we'll go over the changes at some point with 422, uh, and you can see all of those items that are up there. All right? Uh, it also goes on to say, remind you, that vending machines... Uh, that are uh, as specified in 422.5A5 uh, and GFCR protection is provided in accordance with 422.5B3 or B4. Now, I didn't explain them before uh, because I knew I would explain them here. Uh, the difference in B3 is that the GFCI is actually integrated into the attachment plug 
And in B4 is a GFCI that's usually incorporated in the cord that's within 12 inches of the attachment plug, which is pretty common for some vending machine applications. So that's kind of it's kind of went on without having to go through all of them. That's that's all of the the different aspects of the Bs. And of course the B5, I already told you, that's integrated into the equipment, which the manufacturers could you if they wanted to do it, they get option to do it. But many times they don't do that. They want you to buy something extra. Okay? So I, that kind of explains all of them. I didn't know if I was going to go through all of them, but there you go. All right? So uh, the other thing I'll remind you is we did get rid of the definition of vending machines. So now you've got to refer to the design standard for vending machines to determine what is a vending machine. Uh, many people argue that a vending machine was something you put something in and got something out. And then the argument was, is a slot machine a vending machine? And I can tell you, for some lucky souls, it might be. For people like me, it is not. It does nothing but suck my money. I don't get anything out of a vending machine. Maybe one time, I mean, excuse me, I don't get nothing out of a slot machine in Vegas, buddy. Um, and I'm going to be in Vegas here shortly. Hopefully, y'all are coming out to the Nika show and stop by the booth at Uncle Wire and come see me because I'm going to be there. Come and holla at me, get a picture. Um, I'm going to be videotaping some stuff there so you can get on a video. So anyway, um, we're going to be there. Um, so, but again, casinos, things like that, obviously they're other than dwellings, okay? So we're, we're good so far, you know, that type of thing. But they're just, uh, not that it matters here, it's a, an appliance maybe. <laughs> God, I'm going down a road I don't want to go. Um, ice maker, uh, in a, one of those ones where you put money in and you get ice, that's a vending machine. Uh, Coke machine, I put something in, I get something, I get a Coke out, that's a vending machine. Things like that. All right, anyway. Hey, was Carvana... A vending machine, I put money in and my car comes out of it. You know, it comes out of this little, down this little conveyor. Is that a vending machine? I put something in, I got something. Well, anyway, you have to go look at the vending machine standard now uh, to determine whether something's a vending machine. I don't know why we got rid of the definition because it seemed like it served a good purpose. But anyway, there you go. All right, so the next one is item E. And yes, you're right. I did spend too much time on that one. Uh, E says equipment requiring services or servicing. So E in the previous one was actual the crawl space lighting outlet. So you see we kind of shuffled and this new one was added. Now this one is making reference to 210.63. And in the 2017 code, uh, 210.63 really was the reference for the receptacles for servicing uh, air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration equipment receptacle, okay? And that receptacle had to be within 25 feet and blah, 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 okay? And then there was an informational note that said C210.8 for ground fault circuit interrupter requirements, yada, yada, yada. Well, and then we had in 210.63, we had a 210.64, which is dealing with electrical service areas, and it required at least one receptacle uh, to be within 25 feet. Of course, that didn't apply to one and two family because their receptacles are everywhere. But there was a separate 210.63 and 210.64. Well, they've all been merged now into 210.63. So electric, uh, electrical service areas and the receptacles for heating and air conditioning and refrigeration have all been now merged into 210.63 with different subsections underneath it. Okay, or subparts, I should say. God, I always murder that. Anyway, um, I know I'll get some rag from somebody out there who's holier than thou. You know, it's kind of like the old saying when you call something a subpanel and professionals like us make reference to subpanel and somebody goes, somebody who's holier than thou out there goes, look at Paul's wrong. He's teaching people subpanel. Whatever, dude. Get over yourself. So anyway, we know what we're talking about. 
Um, it's hard enough to remember the concepts of how the codes and all these sections and parts and subparts and subsections and items and pff, whatever, dude, whatever. If that's what you get a hard on for, go for it. Anyway, at the end of the day, um, now we have requirements for that equipment and the requirement for the GFCR protection on those applications. So that's new for E, but you kind of were referenced to all of the locations anywhere. So if you were up in 210.63 before, if that receptacle servicing this application was outdoors, it required GFCI protection anyway. So this is just kind of helping the cross-reference between 210.63 and 210.8 as well. So that's just the cross-reference. Uh, the next one is F, and F is new. And this one is the one that caused quite a stir of debate. And this one says outdoor outlets. Now, remember, when we say outdoor outlets, we're not talking receptacles, okay? We're talking outdoor outlets. Now, you could have an outlet that a receptacle goes into it, but we already cover the receptacles that are located outdoors. Okay, what is this really going to cover? So let's look at it. It says all outdoor outlets for dwellings, okay? So it's very dwelling specific. That's good to know. Other than those covered in 210.8A3, exception 3, and that's the receptacles that are for snow melting and whatnot, it says that are supplied by a single-phase branch circuit rated 150 volts to ground or less and 50 amperes or less shall have ground fault circuit and rubber protection for personnel. All right, this is significant. Oh, and I'll remind you there's an exception that says, yeah, but that doesn't apply to lighting outlets that are out there, except for the ones that are in a crawl space. Any other normal lighting outlet that's outside, let's say, is not going to require the GFCI protection. But you can't get around the lighting outlet that doesn't exceed 120 volts uh, inside of a crawl space. Okay, just remember, that's what the exception is saying. So we're talking broad. So let me ask you a question. So this, doesn't, this is going to apply to an outside air condensing unit that is 30 amps that is located outside that has a disconnect and from that disconnect which is an outlet which is where we're pulling the power from to go down to the unit so this means that gfci protection is going to be now required for the outside air uh, condensing unit that's what's going to require required the gfci protection for that as well okay um so again 50 amperes or less uh, again, outdoor outlets seems to be what's gonna what's gonna be the, the the rule here. And so again, that's some people you know that got argued pretty good during the nitmans, which is the final official stage where people get to go and argue. Uh, but it, you know it made it and, it and it passed it through. It seems. And for all of those naysayers out there that say, Paul, Paul, that disconnects for the HVAC unit is not an outlet. That's a disconnect. I will remind you to go to definitions and look up the term outlets. It says a point on the wiring system at which current is taken to supply utilization equipment. Hmm. So what do you think utilization equipment is? <laughs> All right. I'm not going to go any further than that because, again, I'll be, I'll be picked on. Uh, somebody will say that I'm picking on somebody or some people getting into semantics, uh, and, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into that. All right, so let's move on to finish this thing up. All right, look, I can't help myself. I literally can't help myself. You guys know me by now. Utilization equipment, as defined, is equipment that utilizes electric energy for electronic, 
electromechanical, chemical, heating, lighting, or similar purposes. Guess what that condensing unit is? I'll let you guess. Anyway, at the end of the day, yes, that is going to require now GFCI protection uh, for that. And it's obviously going to get done at the breaker. You know, it's a pretty no-brainer there. All right, so let's finish this thing up. Okay, so you see some pretty significant changes that took place to 210.8. Um, to me, the most significant was in dwelling units, the removal of the, the uh, ampere limitations um, and the clarification that it applies to 250 volt through to um, two, uh, 125 volt through 250 volt receptacles. So um, that's significant. We added some more locations. Um, I am quite shocked, pun intended, uh, for the ba uh, ba um, basement requirement for dwelling units to get rid of the unfinished portion and just be uh, required to all receptacles that fall into that voltage uh, range uh, inside of that basement required GFCI protection. Um, I guess I don't have a problem with dryers being on who cares. It certainly should not trip the GFCI if, if everything's going good with that appliance. So probably not a bad thing. Um, the other than dwelling units, the addition of the actual voltage ratings of receptacles was a good add here. Kind of adds clarity to what they intended. They obviously intended it based on the voltages that they're given here. But it, they didn't pick it up right. So that's good. That's, that's good. Um, nowhere in there did I see anything shocking. Again, <laughs> I got to stop that. Pun intended. I don't see anything different uh, that really is, you know, it's really too, anything that's going to make me worry too much. Um, I do, I'm doing a little summary here for those that come in late. Um, the only other really, you know, the changes is that, you know, the dishwasher, which was very specific to dwelling, is now broadened out because we see these dishwashers and the, obviously the end of life issue that they had with this doesn't have to be specific to uh, dwelling units because I see we have one in where I work right there and that's a standard dwelling unit type dishwasher. So um, I, that makes sense. And of course, gearing that and sending it to the code panel 17 under 422.5A is the list, you know, makes sense. Uh, for that type of application. Makes sense to me. Um, other than that, um, again, consolidating 210.63 and 64 into 210.63 and breaking it out uh, and then referencing those receptacles to be GFCI protected in accordance with 210.8E. Uh, it makes sense to me. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, F is a little bit, I don't know. I, 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 it was based on somebody getting killed. I get it. And a, one life is too many. Uh, I do know that that air conditioning unit was uh, actually uh, faulty wired, so that's what caused it. Um, it probably didn't have proper inspections and yada, yada, yada. Um, but again, you know, if it's done right and the equipment's working properly, then there shouldn't be any leakage current that's going to exceed the threshold by the manufacturer's allowable standards. Uh, it shouldn't be... Um, an application where it's uh, you know, six milliamps and up or or four and under five is the nominal we usually use um, I don't see any issue with that it shouldn't have a problem I mean we've been arguing for years that the when they change the receptacles in a, in a garage are required to be DFCI and we got rid of that allowance for dedicated space for things like freezers to be removed 
Um, people are like, oh, my meat or my deer meat or whatever in my freezer because of GSCI's tripping. You know what? We successfully argued that, you know what, you can replace the meat. You, you can't replace a life. So in that vein, I would be probably okay with the fact we're moving in that direction. Um, and at least we have a an ampacity threshold, 50 amps or less. Uh, so anyway, and I will say this only applies to dwelling unit. So... Uh, there's very few things that are above 50 amps anyway when it comes to a dwelling uh, that's going to be uh, supplying uh, outdoor outlets. So it's pretty much encompasses all of those. Um, other than that, that's it. Um, and you no, know, for mini splits, people argue about that all the time when we're just talking HVAC. I said a lot of times the manuals in the mini splits uh, either require or recommend GFCI protection on those anyway. So, I mean, that's... That might be covered by 110.3b uh, for the electrical, although those mini splits aren't generally electrically. So that covers under the installation of that equipment. You have to follow the rules and things like that. So, I mean, that's kind of kind of covered. So uh, this is a new one. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. As you can see, there is going to be a lot more use of GFCI 250 volts uh, applications um, receptacle-wise, protecting those receptacles. Um, a lot of a lot more 240 volt uh, circuit breakers with GFCI is going to have to be utilized. Um, and again, I guess it's okay. That's that's our expansion. That's where we're going with GFCI. Um, again, boat hoist was moved to 555.9 where it needs to be uh, in the kitchens. And the two uh, 210.8D is now no longer specific to kitchen dishwashers. It now is going to reference you to a list of appliances that are in 425, excuse me, 422.5A. So that makes more sense. So hopefully you got something out of it. I did this under an hour uh, and we covered everything in 210. Uh, I'll remind you, if you're a student of the code, you're an apprentice, you're a journeyman, and you really want to learn all the ins and outs of a proper installation, all of the little tricks in the trade, we have courses available now for residential, commercial, industrial. You want to learn all the things about industrial wiring, uh, power factors, and all this type of stuff, how to read plans, blueprints, interpret things. Um, we have those courses available for you. You can access them for a whole year. Uh, you get access to the book as well as the online course and the quizzes and the images and all the things that will help you uh, and access to us to ask questions if you have them uh, all while you're part of that program. Um, all available from our uh, electrocodeacademy.com or masterthenec.com website. Feel free. If you have any questions about this code change or others, feel free to email us at info, I-N-F-O, at masterthenec.com. Or info at electricalcodeacademy.com. I answer all emails. I answer all questions. If you like Facebook, go to our Facebook pages. We have one that's open to the public. Just master the NEC is all you got to search for on Facebook. If you want to get into our private group and you're trying to prepare to pass an exam, then go to Facebook and search for master the NEC exam prep. And you will get, and if you answer the questions and you're really trying to study for an exam, then we'll give you access to that and you can ask all kinds of questions and learn there to prepare you for an exam. If you just want to go there to be a smart aleck, then we're not going to let you in and I'll find out real quickly who you are and I'll delete you out of it. That's not the forum for that. Okay. Um, so hopefully you got something out of this. Uh, again, reach out to us if you need us. We also do private courses all around the country. I am available to do things on grounding and bonding. Four hours, uh, six hours, eight hours, two day, whatever you need. On any of these subjects, I can teach classes around the country. 
uh, on that, and uh, I am available, uh, time permitting, uh, and it works it into my schedule. Uh, and uh, that would all be coordinated through Zachary, who works for me. Uh, he uh, handles all that kind of stuff. So reach out to us if you need us. Until next time, folks, stay safe, and God bless. Bright. Every day is another beginning.